you have to have a strong foundation to build a house upon. Otherwise, it's just going to crumble. If you don't know that foundational knowledge, you're not going to get far in this career. Do you know what languages are used for artificial intelligence? I'll tell you what it is. PowerPoint slides. Sorry, it's a lame joke, but I like the joke, right? <laughs> you hear about AI, and it's all about this pie in the sky. Most people still see AI, I think, as some sort of... Uh, Terminator. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show, James. Do you mind just taking a few minutes and introducing yourself? You bet. I'm James Stanger. I'm a chief technology evangelist at CompTIA. And what that is, is I do a lot of different work, especially working directly with uh, CIOs, CISOs, uh, C-level folks, and talking to them about kind of the basic trends that are going on right now, kind of the what's happening in the real world. I also do a lot of uh, creation of videos for us at CompTIA. So if you've ever taken a CompTIA learning course or what have you, our official curriculum, I'll be there interviewing uh, people who uh, do let's say security or help desk or the cloud for a living. So it's a lot of fun. I also do a lot of business development, but mostly I'm out there as part of the research department, kind of finding out what's going on out in the world. Nice. You know, funny you bring that up. Uh, you and I actually worked on a project with CompTIA a while ago for their A-plus course. And I was actually recently hiring for a position at my own company. And I had, I walked up to, you know, bring the guy back for his interview. And he's like, hey, I've seen your face before in a CompTIA video. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought that was a little funny. Small world. Yeah. We've known each other for a while now. And you know, you've been in the field for quite a while. I don't want to ask you to date yourself, but you've kind of seen this industry evolve. And I want to dive into, I think what everyone's asking is, what is the importance of certifications in the IT field? I think the importance of certifications is a few different areas. First of all, there's a lot of uh, data running around and it's hard to kind of figure out who has the experience and who doesn't. People might say, oh, that's just if you've memorized a few things or whatever. That's not the case. Certification is designed to basically show proof of achievement, that you have truly brought something in and not only learn it on an academic level, but on a muscle memory level. So that's one of the things that certification does. Second, we need all the mentors in the world. We need people who can bring people into becoming competent cybersecurity professionals. But things are changing so quickly in terms of technology. Certifications will show you the objectives, whatever certification you can think of, CompTIA, uh, GIAC, you name it. Those certs are come up are determined and created by literally thousands of working subject matter experts. So it helps determine what's important and what's not. So I think it's, uh, to me, it's kind of the hot button to understanding skills and the hot button to recognizing skills that somebody has. Absolutely. You know, and no better person to talk about it than, you know, one of the best people, I think, there at CompTIA, personally, you know, a little biased. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you literally help create the content for teaching these certifications. And CompTIA, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe is one of the largest certification vendors out there. And it's one of the bigger ones out there. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got, uh, what, three, four million people certified so far and many more. That's crazy. Now, you know, this is, I'm putting you on the spot here. What makes CompTIA certification so great? Because it seems like when anyone's getting into the IT field and, you know, is asking for recommendation of certification, CompTIA is always in the conversation. You know, I think one of the main things is that we are member driven. There are members of, uh, who are 
a working managed service professional, if you know what an MSP is, a managed service provider, excuse me, they're professionals in that. A managed service provider is somebody who like, imagine a small business that is an accounting business, okay? Or a dentist's office or whatever. They don't want to be in the IT business, right? They want to be in the accounting business or the dentist's office. I'm saying this because this past weekend, I was with my brother and my brother-in-law who one's an accountant and one's a dentist. And they use managed service providers. And so there's they're members. And those members tell us what to do. So rather than uh, just James and a few folks or academicians or whatever getting together and saying, how about if we did this? We actually listen very carefully and we conduct research on our members and they tell us what to do. And those members are not just managed service providers. They are also very large companies from Rico or Dell or, or, or what have you. And they're banks and people who are in the healthcare industry. And so I think that's one of the big things. Second, we've invested heavily as a nonprofit. That doesn't necessarily make us better or worser, but it does mean that we invest our money differently than a for-profit. We invest our money and have to back into the organization and into certain things. And one of those certain things is certification processes. We have people from various parts of the industry, competing certifications, who come to us and learn from us all of the time, right? We go to various, whether it be events or whatever, and we have led the way in a lot of different ways. We've really helped lead the way there. So there's two areas. I think as I can comfortably say, CompTIA really sets the bar when it comes to IT certifications and not just IT certifications. I feel like CompTIA branches out into many different areas, but you know, when it comes to IT certifications, I feel like CompTIA sets the bar. Just recently, I decided to go start studying for my Linux Plus certification. When I was looking at different certification vendors out there for Linux and stuff. Of course, my first look was to CompTIA and every employer out there pretty well knows the name CompTIA. And that kind of gets into my next question. There's hundreds and thousands of certifications out there. I I know you're familiar with more than just CompTIA certifications. Everyone in the IT industry knows the name CompTIA pretty much, but not everyone knows some of these vendor specific or these other certifications out there. What's your thought about that? We work, for example, with various governments, not just the US government, the UK government. Uh, there's this concept out there called the five eyes. They're, they're a basic countries such as the United States, Canada, Britain, uh, Australia, New Zealand. I think that's the five working with those folks and they have, they do tons of training. Imagine how many, much training happens on the IT side of things because a Navy person or a Marine doesn't just run a ship or run a gun. They're using data. They're using computers. They're using electronic means. They're grabbing information off of drones, doing interpretation, things like that. The reason I I bring all this up when it comes to portability is they get tons of training, but what they need to have is recognition that that training really means something. And so what they've done, a lot of governments are very interested in saying, well, look, we need to have something that's industry recognized because once people get out of the military and they can say, well, I took X, Y, Z classes, employers, their eyes kind of glaze over and go, well, that's too many syllables. I don't know. It's like, well, I've got a cert, you know, it's industry recognized and people like, oh, I get it. And that portability factor isn't just for people in the military, that portability factors for people from one industry to the next, Um, whether you're in the healthcare industry and somehow you move over into something else like finance or maybe manufacturing. That's three different sectors. I guess government would be a fourth, right? There's so many different industry sectors and certification allows you to kind of move easily between these sectors and kind of 
you could even say uh, different uh, phases of your career. That's kind of what I mean by portability, because it's all about kind of pathways and, and kind of getting your act together and proving that you've achieved in one area or the other of technology or in one sector of uh, IT uh, or in the industry or in one area of your career. Absolutely. Here in the U.S., there's certain three-letter agencies that will not even give you the time of day unless you have like a CompTIA Security Plus. You know, you can't even get your foot in the door to talk to them about an interview. It comes from that level of, I think, recognition that what makes the CompTIA certification stand out among the others. It's been something that's been interesting to watch because, and, and the reason is, is because we have such a good process of, I'll call it crowdsourcing, uh, but basically getting the collective wisdom and distilling it from not just a dozen people, but from thousands of people and making sure that we really understand that. And that's because the people who put this together are people that kind of live and breathe IT but also the business of IT. And I think that's one reason why so many times the CompTIA certifications drill down into the, the right thing. We also do a lot of uh, training as well. We train to that certification, but we do at CompTIA an enormous amount of training to various skills that people need, You know, whether that be skills having to do with AI or skills having to do with uh, uh, various arcane areas of security and things like that. Absolutely. And, you know, cybersecurity is just growing massively, I feel, you know, even as times start to get uncertain and there's a talk of a recession or whatever, cybersecurity seems to always be there and always just growing in an industry. A lot of people, I feel like when they want to get into cybersecurity, they talk about the security plus, but that's not the only certification I feel that people should be considering. And I feel you're kind of uniquely positioned to answer this question. What other certifications should people be looking at if they're thinking about a career in cybersecurity? And I apologize. I know that's a broad, cybersecurity is a broad term too. You know, one of the first things, uh, tell a story. I was in Thailand and I was talking to, his name is Omorn Chamchoy. He is the, uh, I think, vice chancellor of their incident response department for all of Thailand. So he's government chancellor and he invited us over at CompTIA to basically talk to his security operations center workers. And the answer was, you got to have a right foundation of skills. So that's one of the first things when it comes to cybersecurity is that he said, look, some of these people have become really good security operations center analysts, but they, they kind of are really good at interpreting what Splunk tells them or what Q radar tells them, but they really don't have the foundation that they need. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by foundation? And we started talking about it. TCP handshake, understanding that. The process of what it means to build up and tear down or manage an encrypted communication. For example, TLS. We call it SSL, but it's transport layer security. Things yeah. like this, understanding these protocols. So to answer your question, besides Security Plus, I would say it's very important to get into the cybersecurity pathway or to the IT pathway where it makes sense for you. If you don't know how endpoints work, if you don't know what a MAC address is, if you don't know what ARP is or DNS is, and I mean on a detailed level, then you may not be ready for cybersecurity. Okay, well, I'll say you're not. OK, um, if you don't know a lot about how protocols work, how they can be manipulated and how they're supposed to work properly. So A plus network plus security plus. There's a reason why that becomes the trifecta. Uh, it's not just because I'm a CompTIA employee. I know so many people. There's a lady, uh, I f uh, forget her name, but she works for the NSA. She's on the education side of things. And she literally once she pulled me aside and said, what will we do without CompTIA? And I said, well, why do you say that? And she said, well, look, uh, uh, there's all sorts of 
of advanced certifications that CompTIA does offer. But she said the great thing that you've traditionally done is you prepare the foundation so that people can then move on into that higher levels of cybersecurity. For example, cybersecurity analytics. But you ain't going to be able to do, I love the ain't, ain't going to be able to do cybersecurity unless you understand you know, what kind of MAC address is talking here? Or if there's a DNS spoofing going on, then what about, you know, what does that mean to get get that kind of spoofing going? Because if you really don't know what DNS is on a, a you know, on a detailed level, you're not going to be able to protect anybody against that. I always say, you got to understand how the network operates before you can learn how to protect it. And everyone gets so mad at me when I say that, you know. Um, <laughs> well, it's true. But then I, I, I refer back to building a house. If you have to have a strong foundation to build a house upon, otherwise it's just going to crumble. If you don't know that foundational knowledge, you're not going to get far in this career. And that's why I always tell people, you know, if you're just starting out in the career field, go get your A plus, go get your network plus, and then jump into your security plus. But so many people just want that quick and easy shortcut. But then they come back to me a few months later and like, why, why can't I get a job? Yeah. Like, I think that's the key there. Some people would say, well, I don't want to learn about computers because I don't want a help desk job. It's like, look at A+, not from just a help desk job role perspective. Look at it from a perspective of endpoints. And I'm talking about endpoints like your mobile phone, operational technology, an endpoint, for example, an endpoint that controls an escalator or a diesel generator or cranes, entire ships, things like that. Securing a generator at a hospital. You know, during a power outage, securing, you know, the telemetry data for a heart monitor. These attacks are becoming huge lately, and they're starting to finally, I think, hit the news. They've always been really hush-hush, I feel. But you're starting to hear about it more often, where, you know, a hospital was hit with ransomware and wasn't able to monitor their patient's heart rates or something like that. That's a big, scary thing. It is. It is. And so many IT folks, they know IT pretty well, but they don't know that operational technology. It uses protocols that we consider a bit strange. Instead of TCP or UDP or, or IP or whatever, they'll use things like Modbus, protocols such as that. And that's one reason why it becomes a problem. I think other certifications that were really, or training that would be really important. You mentioned it already. I think Linux gives the keys to the kingdom. I'm a huge Linux gearhead. I just love it. The world runs on Linux. Well, Name something that doesn't. That's easier. Something that doesn't run from operational technology stuff that will often use Linux. Your Android, if you use an Android, um, I do, um, that's a Linux system. All of the grid computing, the quantum computing that are going on from governments to big corporations are all running on Linux. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, I, I work for a, an ISP. I'm the director of network operation. All of our servers, except for two, run on Linux, some flavor of Linux. You know, Linux runs the world. Absolutely. Also, there's cloud, understanding what's going on because Linux systems are in the cloud. I mean, all of those cloud servers that are out there are generally going to be Linux servers. So even the serverless apps, right? You know, Dakota, they talk about the serverless app. Well, there's a server in there. You just don't see it. It's not visible. They've kind of abstracted it out. But those are all running on Linux as well. So when things go wrong, guess what? Having that background of Linux knowledge helps. But also understanding how that runs in the cloud uh, so you can understand what it means to work with cloud regions and all of different systems. I was talking to a guy, his name is Robert Venier. He's the global head of data center and cloud uh, for AstraZeneca. You know AstraZeneca. He's told me something interesting. He said, look, every time his people go up to get a solution from the cloud, whether it be Azure or AWS or whatever, Alibaba, Google, 
it changes every three weeks. Now think about that, Dakota, three weeks. Remember how you and I will use that Moore's law, we'll kind of misuse it and say, Moore's law really says what, the number of transistors doubles every, like about every two years, 18 months, two years, right? But we always say, well, technology changes every 18 months or whatever. Well, see how far off we are? Every three weeks. So if you have the foundation, if you have a good understanding of what's going on in the cloud, you can keep your feet with all those changes. I guess this, there's a couple of ideas. You know, that brings up a very good point that I think people getting into the field don't realize as this field is not just you learn something once and done. This field is evolving at such an incredibly increasing rate. You have to really enjoy learning because the soon as you stop learning and figuring out how things work in the tech field, you're falling behind no matter whether it's cloud, you know, networking, uh, cybersecurity, any of these fields, you have to really enjoy learning. And you have to realize that learning in IT is not as linear a process as it tends to be represented. It's not a very good sentence, is it? That wasn't a very linear sentence, was it? Uh, <laughs> learning about IT is not a linear thing. We like to see it as, well, there's a linear pathway, A, B, C, D, but you come back to it. And, and so there has to be a patience, not only for learning all the time, but kind of learning in unexpected ways and, unex and at unexpected times. It's got kind of where you were going with that or... Yeah, there's different ways to be learning these things as too. Some people get really struck, stuck in the, I have to go to college to get the degree, to get the job, to pay for the student debt that I got in college. It's not always that way though. In tech, I find myself learning something new every day on the job. I'm constantly in the Google. I'm in the, the forums. I'm on the Reddit. And sometimes when I go into the Reddit, people don't see me for three days and my beards grow twice as long. <laughs> going down the rabbit hole there. But yeah, absolutely. Now, we were talking a little bit about the, the different sectors and how they're rapidly growing. I would like your feedback on over the next three years, what do you think is really going to be the driving forces in the IT world? What is going to be the emerging technologies that people should be considering when they're looking to make the career change into the field? Learn automation. Automation, I mean, that's, that's how about that for simple. Automation, I would say, is the big circle. If you were to do a Venn diagram or some sort of diagram, the big circle is automation. And I would put artificial intelligence inside of that. Because to me, in my mind, artificial intelligence is automation that's smart and can kind of improve itself. So I would, uh, it's easy to say learn AI, but I, I'll tell a quick joke and then I'll get back to my point about automation. I'll put you on the spot, Dakota. What, what are some of the languages, right, that are used in machine learning. Can you name some of the languages that are commonly used? Oh gosh, in machine learning. Yeah. I, you know I'm sure you. I probably could, but I don't I'm not even sure off the top of my head. Yeah. Like Python, you know, Python um I don't know, is Ruby Ruby maybe oh, sure. or Ruby. I don't know. Java, I don't know. Right? So those are languages Java. used yeah for for uh, for uh, machine learning. Do you know what languages are used for artificial intelligence? You know, I heard it recently, but it's in one ear out the other. I'll tell you what it is. PowerPoint slides. Sorry, it's a lame joke, but I like the joke, right? It's, it's, you hear you hear about AI, and it's all about this pie in the sky. A friend of mine calls them the moonshot mentality. You know, these are startups that are trying to shoot for the moon or whatever. I don't have much patience for that. I have patience for automation technologies and AI technologies that are practical and are in use today. For example, we've all heard of spam filters, right? You know, spam, right? Spam filters use something called the naive Bayes. It's named after a guy named Thomas Bayes, lived in the 17th century, 17th century, came up with this algorithm. And believe it or not, we're using this algorithm 
for spam filters in artificial intelligence for the last like 20, 30 years. And people go, well, no, that's not artificial intelligence. That's just automation. I'm like, what's the difference? And it is artificial intelligence because those spam filters improve themselves. So we've been, my point, a couple of points, we've been using artificial intelligence and automation for a long time. So uh, if you learn about automation technologies, for example, there's the Ansible uh, if you ever heard of Ansible with one script, uh, that's about, uh, you know, if on a screen, that would be about, I don't know, maybe 20 lines long, maybe 30 lines long, probably less. You can launch a thousand instances of a serverless application in the cloud or a long, or update a thousand Linux servers just with one line, right? Now imagine, and what Red Hat's done, for example, is they have taken IBM Watson, you know, Red Hat's been bought by IBM, right? They took IBM Watson and combined it with that Ansible technology. Now, Ansible's been around for years, for decades, right? Now, here's what I call a hybrid AI solution. And to me, if you're looking for anything useful in your career, look for these hybrid solutions where one thing that's been established, like Ansible, and even uh, an AI, and of course, Watson's been around a long time too, and they combine them. And to me, that's really important. That's one area of automation I would look for. The second thing in cybersecurity, things that I would look for uh, are going to be more sophisticated security analytics. Security, not just pen testing, that's fine. Uh, vulnerability management, that's fine. But security analytics, that means the ability to work with tools, automated or otherwise, that help you visualize problems or visualize progress towards a goal to solve problems. So understanding things like from an open source perspective, Security Onion or Zeek or Suricata, these are snort, right? But putting all that together and using the Elastic Stack, uh, Logstash, Kibana, or things like Splunk, things such as QRadar, RSA Security Analytics, there's so many things. That's a big one. And then the last one I'll end with, uh, when it comes to artificial intelligence, of course, that's disruptive, but it's also a technology that we need to investigate more. And I think the investigation needs to be, I'll jump into one area. When it comes to AI, we need to treat AI, Dakota, like it's a coworker. And I think that human to AI interaction is where the money's going to be or where your job is going to be. It's not getting in the way of AI, because that would be silly. It's an old folk song or an old story about John Henry. Remember, he, he got in the competition with the steam driver, right? And he won, but then he died immediately thereafter, so he lost, right? The steam, it was a steam drill that, you know, and his didn't choose his battles, right? Because he got in the way of that drill in a sense, right? And tried to beat it on its own terms. What he really needed to have done, and this is something I learned, when they drill down into things, whether it be in a mine or oil did you know that a human being needs to get involved, not in the drilling part, and the machines take care of that, AI takes care of that, but did you know they actually have to take that drill and shake it sideways in certain ways to dr take off all the drill tailings? Because otherwise the drill will get bound in there, right? Here's my point. When it comes to AI, don't try to compete with AI so that you can think faster than it, doing brute force, the brute force kind of things, the pattern recognition that AI is so good at. Try to find the ways that AI, things that AI isn't good at. AI is not very good at lateral thought. Human beings, we think laterally very, very well, very naturally. And so that lateral movement of the drill or the lateral movement with AI. So find ways to let AI make its contribution and maybe it could do 80% of, of a job. You focus on whatever, whatever that 20% or maybe it's 10% of the job that's unique. 
you won't get replaced by AI in that case. And so many people are worried about getting replaced by AI. Absolutely. That was my next question. Yeah. You know. it, it could happen. Uh, just like, uh, you know, automation scripting uh, replaced a lot of jobs. You know, the cloud replaced a lot of hardware jobs, didn't it? Uh, going back to another analogy, uh, blacksmiths, you know, blacksmiths, they work on horseshoes and things. How many of those do you think are in the U.S.? I have no idea, right? I mean... You know, uh, people making money as blacksmiths, there's probably maybe a thousand, five thousand. I don't know. How many mechanics are out there? Automobile mechanics. A lot, right? My point is, is that, yes, automobiles put blacksmiths out of business. But guess what? They just turned around the next day and became uh, automobile mechanics. So what they did is they realized that they could add value in a certain area that was different. And you're going to find that with uh, people. So as to your point about earlier about learning how important it is, if you do that, you can, uh, if you keep on learning, you'll naturally figure out where the value is, where you can provide it. And then let let AI and automation uh, take care of that. Um, you know, in the same way that the cloud, you know, kind of got rid of a lot, not all, but a lot of hardware, right? Um, you know, we can focus on what it means to focus on the real value. I think a good way to look at it is, you know, AI is not going to reduce the total number of jobs out there in the market. It might replace the job you're working at. Absolutely. But the jobs market and these jobs and these people are just going to evolve with the times. Maybe we'll no longer need entry-level help desk positions. But that position might evolve into something else similar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You know what I think might happen with, with help desk is that AI will curate a lot of content. It'll take care of a lot of these problems, right? But then it will land the more sophisticated ones to you. So, uh, you'll have to actually train a little harder to get best job, but it'll still be there. And so that tier one, in my opinion, might move north or a bit more sophisticated because uh, AI and even help desk, uh, what's it called, self-help and things like that um, can get there. But the other thing I think that can happen, too, is you as, an, as a worker will help train and retrain the artificial intelligence. Get into the, the business of training artificial intelligence. That's that's an area that's very important. I'm a strong believer is in the most successful people in the IT field are going to be the ones who embrace artificial intelligence. You know, if you just constantly worry about it taking your job, you're you're, you're not thinking ahead. You're not, you know, you're not adapting. You're just stuck in your ways. But the people who embrace artificial intelligence realize that it is a tool to help you be better at what you do to help you stand out to your employer and who utilize those properly are really going to succeed and go really far in the field. Absolutely. It's a really good way to put that. I think Uh, AI is definitely going to, uh, I mean, it's it's certainly been with us for some time and it'll become more of a uh, factor in our lives. And it should be, uh, I really believe that uh, there's this, uh, the dialogue, like what you and I are having, you know, you and I working together on a problem, right? Usually will end up having us get to the solution faster. I think that more and more with AI, if we engage in more sophisticated dialogues with AI, a couple of good things will happen. And one of them is being able to come about with the solutions faster. The other thing is that you'll be able to train that AI and do some interesting things too. So, so you're saying I need to be an AI keeper, you know, like like a lion keeper. I need to turn into an AI keeper. <laughs> well, true. I mean, aren't, aren't some of the best uh, places to work where you have really good peer-based interaction? You know what I mean? Where peers talk to each other and, and it's like, wow, I hadn't even thought of it that way, right? AI is going to give us those insights. 
if it's done right. And if it's not done right, then we'll go back to and, and fix the AI and make it work. You know, if it's not done right, we don't even have to worry about it because Skynet's just going to take over, right? <laughs> the Terminator is going to show up. Yep, exactly. <laughs> most people still see AI, I think, as some sort of uh, Terminator rather than helper, right? And I think, you know, it's not just because of the media and things like that. I, I think on some level, we tend to treat technology as a mystery. I'll call it a mystery box. It, even technologists, I think we have a tendency to just kind of, well, it just kind of works by magic on some level. That perspective, especially when AI starts at behaving like a human, it gets very, that's, that's kind of scary because this, this magic thing, this mystery box is behaving more human than humans. And that, that, I think that's interesting to us. Absolutely. Well, We've definitely gone off the deep end here yeah. from where we started. <laughs> but uh, I have this one question that I've started to ask all my guests that I, I love hearing pe- you know, people's thoughts. You know, what is one important life lesson you've learned in your journey? You, know, you have 20 plus years of experience in the field. What is one important life lesson that you'd like to share with everyone? I think the life lesson has to do with the authenticity of your communication. You can call that honesty. Call that honesty, but the authenticity. I think authenticity and honesty obviously closely related. The way to speak uh, and behave authentically is so important from the IT perspective. And that means, first of all, that you, in a hands-on way, learn uh, the technologies that you are, are working with, that you know them very well. And that if you don't know something, feel free. The life lesson uh, <laughs> happened a long time ago. I would just ask the, I think, dumbest questions, right? Uh, and I would just, now what, somebody explained to me, you know, what it is. And, and it's funny because I've had, I had back when I was in grad school, there were professors that go, geez, you, you don't have any problem asking questions that other people would never ask. And I'm like, well, like, that means I'm annoying in class. They're like, no, no, no. It's just, and I would have the students come up to me and go, man, I'm glad you asked that question. And so the authenticity of your behavior and the authenticity and the um, honesty of your, just, just don't be afraid to ask questions. And um, not only just always be honest, that's really important, but speak from experience. And if you don't have experience in there, just be very open with it and say, that's an area I don't have experience in, but um, uh, here's some areas that I have experience in and people will love you for it. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the channel and share all your great wisdom and knowledge. And I can't wait to have you back again. Hey, happy to come back anytime, man. It's great. Great uh, talking with you again, man. Absolutely. If people want to reach out to you and talk to you more or find out more about CompTIA and stuff, where do you recommend them going? You know, I just go to CompTIA.org and check it out. Or if you have any questions, just contact me at jstanger at CompTIA.org or at James Stanger, that's J-A-M-E-S-S-T-A-N-G-E-R, James Stanger, on LinkedIn. You can look me up. Happy to uh, connect with you. Absolutely. And we'll make sure and put all those links down in the descriptions for you guys as well. Well, everyone, I hope you guys enjoyed this video. And until next time, keep learning.